Landscape or portrait? Damn it, I should have used that. Depends on the depends on the game. Yeah, uh, landscape. You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalou. Today on the show, we have Carissa Gonzalez from Pixelberry with us. Carissa, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So I kind of want to kick off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Today, you're Senior Marketing Manager at Pixelberry. Before that, you worked at Crowdstar. How did you kind of get into the gaming industry? So I moved to London to do my master's. And basically, the school that I did my master's, you can rotate to different campuses. Mm. So I was in London for a year, and then I decided to rotate to San Francisco because I wanted to be in digital marketing. Mm -hmm. I actually used to do consulting back home as a side gig. And I realized that digital marketing was where the industry was moving to. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated here in San Francisco, I found a job posting on Indeed and everything that they described about Crowdstar in that post I was mm -hmm. like I love that that's it's the type funny. of environment that I want to grow in the mm -hmm. industry and I contacted them because it was for a, an actual UA manager role but I had okay. no previous experience and the recruiting person was like well you know we already filled that role but we have an internship uh, position available and it's a great way to put your foot into the industry and that basically was the beginning of it all as the years passed by I started gaining more and more experience it was great because everybody there was willing to share knowledge. So one of the first things I learned was never trust the data. Mm. Was, I, they were like, you know, if it's good, question it. Mm -hmm. If it's bad, question it too. Everything, just question it. <laughs> if it's out of trend, question it. Data is becoming a key component for a UA manager today. If I, I don't think you can you really can't. survive without it. Yeah, you can't do UA without taking a deep dive mm -hmm. into your numbers. Were or, you a numbers person? Not at all. I actually grew up in a sales environment mm -hmm. and it was a numbers thing, but not actually projecting LTV mm -hmm. or mapping out maturity curves or that level of knowledge. But I think something interesting about this industry is that you hit the ground running. The other day at Pixelberry, we were talking about creative strategy and one of our seniors said, if you're doing UA and you don't get one complaint at all, you're not doing your job right. Mm. Because we want to do all of our decisions, you want to still be on brand, but you also want to be data-driven. So it's a challenge to find that balance. And Absolutely. I think that's definitely a challenge for a lot of UA managers mm -hmm. out there, especially when there's a very specific voice that you want your brand sure. to contain. Um, <clears throat> here's a question then, this is occurred to me when you were telling me about Crowdstar. What was it about the vibe there that you liked? <laughs> Since it made such a case, yeah. even in a job description, it was enough for you to say, okay, this is for me. I remember the day I went there for my interview, they had all the rooms had different quotes. And it was some, it was a quote, I don't remember who it was, and it said, like, be good to each other. Mm -hmm. Somebody came in with a pen and wrote over good and wrote excellent, and then quoted Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I looked at it, I'm like, this is where I want to be. Here's a question. What do you love the most about gaming and working in UA? So gaming mostly is, and I think this is one of the things that we're going to write, like the storytelling mm. aspect of yeah. it. There's so many psychological factors that go into game design. And that's one of the main reasons why I decided to go into marketing. Because I worked in retail, I did sales, and I'm like, okay, what is that thing that makes mm -hmm. people tick and want to make a purchase or change their mind? How do you mind? unpack that? Exactly. Yeah. And and within game design, you see it, right? Like there's all these different psychological triggers that you place in the UX and the experience. But at the same time, all, I mean, I would say all of them have a different story to tell. So 
everywhere you look, there is this amazing storytelling opportunity. And, you know, at Pixelberry also, it's amazing to see companies in this industry that take time to put value sure. into what they're developing. And you can see it in with the way that the writers brainstorm about our books. And I think that's one of the main things that I love about this industry. In terms of UA specifically, is that we can track all of our results, right? There's stuff that you can't do when you're doing branded marketing that you can with us. And uh, that trackability, that kind yeah. of like instant response. You do something and you can see immediately what kind of impact it had. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so you 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 mentioned a broad scope that the gaming industry has today. That's far beyond your stereotypical assumptions that that a lot of people still have today yep. about mm -hmm. gaming. Um, that gamers are young male, probably in their basement, not very social. And, and we all know this just isn't true anymore. Everyone and her grandmother plays games. Yes. <laughs> um, a lot of women play games. What has the experience been like for you being a woman in an industry that's still predominantly male? It's really interesting. I would say that you get a little bit of everything. Okay. I've been in scenarios where I've been the only girl in a room with 10 other men. And you can see sometimes the bickering between the men and you have to force yourself to put your foot down and sure. be able to back it up with data anything always as long as you have the inf the data and the numbers to prove it just stand your ground and those are some of the things that you sometimes have to do right. as a woman in this industry you know i've gone to meetings where i'm the first person and they bypass me to handshake other men <laughs> and i know of a lot of guys that sometimes don't even realize that they're doing that these happening. things yeah. mansplaining yes that happens All so much an important part of this is also to be truthful. If something happens that you don't feel comfortable with, talk about it. Do you find that it's kind of the atmosphere or the environment for hearing that kind of feedback is there? I think it'll depend on the company that you're in. That That's definitely such a big thing. I've been lucky enough that both Crowdstar and Pixelberry are companies where you have both strong female leadership and you also have strong male leadership that is inclusive. They don't treat right. you half, any differently. Half the battle is also awareness because so often this kind of stuff, you know, these things happen because mm -hmm. people just don't, they don't think twice about yeah. the way it's always been done. Yeah, exactly. It's very interesting also because as I've grown in, in my roles, like now that I'm a senior and I'm at a lot of different high level meetings, it is true. There's less and less women the higher you, up you, you go. go. And I took it as, my responsibility to push women who are on yes. your team. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you need to be there to help them and get them through their fears of speaking yeah, out loud. Those or, right, those unconscious obstacles. Do you think you're seeing more women in leadership positions or more women at all in gaming today than when you first started out? I think we still need more women on the client side because on on the sales side, on the supply side, right? There's there's actually a lot of women in the, a lot of women in leadership roles. On the actual UA manager side, there's not that many of us. Like, on, and then on top of that, I'm Latina too. Mm -hmm. My brother reminds me a lot of this. He's like, sit down and realize like, you're a female Latina. You're in a gaming industry, a numbers oriented role. Uh, and thing. my brother says you should be, you know, damn proud. Am I allowed to say damn? Yeah. yeah. You, you should be <laughs> damn proud of, you know, where you've gotten and how you've gotten this far. Because you know, when I started here in the Bay Area, I was scraping the bottom of my student loans, living in like this tiny, tiny room. Let my distant family like help me, and you know, <laughs> it's, it can be it's, done. Yeah, definitely, it can be done, and. 
And that's why I also say it's our responsibility to let people know and let people be aware because I never considered this industry at all. And there can be so much benefit. And there's studies that come out more and more on how people don't realize right? women are gamers, like mm-hmm. women sure. are decision makers. And so it's important for us to start spreading the word more. We kind of talked about how women are more kind of creeping into games, mm-hmm. let's say. And and I think um, another stereotype that people have about gaming is that it's shooter games or it's hardcore fantasy and uh, they're violent or whatever it might be. Whereas in fact, especially with the rise of mobile and with more casual games, the gaming ecosystem is super varied right now, very mm-hmm. diverse. Um, and in fact, you guys at Pixelberry are kind of Take, taking that one step further and you're, you're trying to sort of in, incorporate education into entertainment. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. When I, I got reached out by Pixelberry for this role, uh, you know, I started diving more into the game and going through the stories and, and also into the history of the company. We had uh, High School Story and Hollywood U and these were all games especially with High School Story. Pixelberry uh, did a strong storyline around cyberbullying and these are things that actual players were going through in their lives and you know the different scenarios like the characters presented different ways for you to manage and deal with these situations right or if you're like you know the friend of someone that's going through this and they can add, they've actually had impacts on people's lives sure. through this stories and that they've built I think there's actually a study that talks about how empathy is increased um, in people who read a lot um, because oh, yeah. when you're reading stories about other people and you're inhabiting other you're, you're just in somebody like else's getting shoes, other shoes yeah um, it just it increases your ability to kind of translate that experience into into real life where you're also able to imagine what it's like to be somebody else and what somebody else's experience might be yeah and I think gaming is is no different especially mm-hmm. in games that have a very strong storytelling component there's that that ability to kind of say okay I'm experiencing something in the game um, and this is impacting my ability to kind of deal with my real life. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what we've seen at Pixelberry with the books and the different products that have been developed at the company. We had this player who's going to high school in a wheelchair, and um, they actually integrated the character in, in wow, High School the, Story. The character of the player. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, it, it was this image, and some one of his friends actually took a screenshot and wow. messaged him. He's like, you're in the game. You're in High School Story. And it's, you know, it's that part. It, it's that part that fills you with joy to mm-hmm. know that the product that you're working with not only tells this amazing story, it also is impacting people's lives. And, you know, through these games, people actually get to live their stories out. It's the same way where you see, like, people do all, all these fan-made trailers on YouTube for the books. Yeah. So this is like an actual like version, like the book you're actually seeing images and the art is beautiful and the characters, they really take time into developing them. And, you know, we have writing teams and each team has different areas that they focus on, Mm -hmm. but they all have somebody that has had experience in the industry that's helping them also grow as writers. And you, you can see how each team grows. Right. In their writing style. And it's it's amazing. This is for choices. Yeah, for choices. So this is super interesting because this is sort of like, you know, you're living through stories that happen kind of episode by episode. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the, in- the infrastructure that you need for such a heavily storytelling focused game. I don't know that every game has writers, yeah. teams of writers. Yeah. So um, I think part of it is that right? you have these writers that are not writing for the money. 
they're writing because they're actually involved in the storylines. They're actually involved with the characters and they're able to provide a lot more depth than if you were only designing a game for IAP. Right. Um, and and you can see it's that almost like TV. Yeah, you can see that reflected on the users also. Users select specific choices depending on what's their emotional connection with that character, and I think that that's one of the strongest parts of the game. Like the characters in our books are able to connect with people. You, know, you can have superficial titles, you can have things that are cashy, but it's hard to provide that depth. To the books that human part that our writers have been able to give so i'm curious to know if all that extra content helps make ua a more creative activity because you have you have aeons more more content to leverage yes. than, yeah. than your average i think that was a nice transition from working with the covet and design home titles where everything is flat and there's only so much you can do <laughs> here we have all these different stories that we can adapt and make clips. So something that we're focusing on right now is, okay, so where in the data do can we identify parts of the books that have- That do really well. Yeah, it's a challenge also because you're like, well, this decision did really well because people were really connected to this character. And if you haven't gone through the books, you can't really right. like, implement it. But it opens the door for you to do so many fun things, oh. like focus on the relationship aspect or focus on like, you know, the characters that are going through different scenarios in life, like having babies or like high school and all the pains of high school. Right now we, we uh, launched High School Story as a book in, in choices. choices. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that was a really fun one to work on. Basically, we kind of repurposed High School Story ads also. But you have all the stereotypes, like the jog, the cheerleader, the so we're we're testing all these different characters and different ways to put them together and the images and the backgrounds and I think that's the funnest part. You just have a world of content to work with. There is also really good that it's owned content by us because we are the ones owning the voice and we don't have to go through like multiple approval process sure. uh, by the bigger brand. Um, which allows you, in UA, you need to be like fast. so nimble, like you yeah. need to be fast, you need to be constantly refreshing, coming with up with new concepts, um, and it, it definitely helps you out with that. When you are first looking at the, your UA strategy, mm -hmm. um, what's that process like for you? So usually it depends a lot on what the company goals are. It filters out, right? You know, what are revenue goals, what, like, project it for each one of the quarters throughout the year and then you base that on okay how many installs based on the day seven ltvs or the day 30 ltvs within a, the measure of a month how many installs do you need to bring in this month to right. hit your overall quarter goals and how constantly readjusting those numbers because in this industry you know there's always some sort of fire that appears, right. like whether it's Facebook wanting to not share IDFAs and Google ad IDs with their advertisers, mm -hmm. or like, there's always something happening. And yeah, and being able to have ownership of that decision making on, okay, so I know that I need X amount of installs for this month. I didn't hit by 10%. Okay, now I need to readjust my whole strategy for next month to be able to get that because we're the front line and if something falls there 
then that trickles down all the way to your revenues. Because when you have your users and you see the revenue stacking by cohort, if you miss somewhere in the beginning, that's going to mean soft revenues in the following months for you. Um, So those are really important things to take into account. You know, you might have a company that doesn't have that much of projections all the way to a whole year. So you go by ear on what the CEO or upper management wants to achieve. But the important part is to pay attention to your numbers, but be aware of the impact that that will have on the following months. What's the most unusual marketing channel you've used? or campaign you've deployed? A weird sort of experiment you've tried? It could have worked or not worked. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> that's that's how it is in here. You have a medium weirdest if you'd like. I don't know in terms of crazy strategies. Right now we're doing one with, do you know Keegan Allen? He's one of the actors from Pretty Pretty Little Liars. Okay. And he has this whole video he's playing as one of the female characters in the game. And he's telling his story, <laughs> but at the same time, he's working out. So you guys incorporate influencer, celebrity type. So those, I think, are the weirdest ones that rarely work out. Right. you got to do them to try. Yeah, exactly. But, You're but... like, okay, this is a different style. He's talking about this and he's talking as if he's a girl. You know, he's obviously playing a female character and he's talking about James and how he dipped because he didn't have enough swag sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Learning experience. Yeah, I was in the video, I was like, uh, what's swag sauce? Is that a thing? Are, are kids using these? What do the kids But it say? works. You see the video and you see him doing these things and you crack up and right. he pops up a, a an image of the character on his phone and he goes Sw- hashtag swoon and <laughs> and it works. Uh, we're still testing it. We continue. Okay, let's call it two questions. The first is how how have you seen game marketing evolve while you've been in the industry? When I started at Crowdstar, it was the beginning of influencer stuff coming out. And we did this campaign with an agency, an influencer agency, where we got crazy volume. I don't know how small campaign. It was probably around like almost 80,000 insoles or something. It was, wow. it was, I don't remember the asking numbers, but it was amazing. And it was below $1. CPIs. Wow. <laughs> They're like, oh, Back this in the is day. amazing. <laughs> yeah, just keep doing it. And it was, and then the companies started getting a lot more strict. The influencer companies on like the terms. When we did that negotiation with this company, we we told them, okay, so this is our baseline K factor. So anything that you guys bring above this. So and we had this huge spreadsheet where we had to calculate the baselines each week. But we only paid them a percentage of like we're like, okay, this is our average CPI for these geos and this is what we're gonna pay you for the ones that you drive. And it's all based on (laughs) K-Factor. Which again, we're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) K-Factor. A lot of companies have gotten smarter on the way that, on the tools that they provide to advertisers for sub-publisher optimizations, like receiving pings, like IAP pings, so that you can optimize towards ROAS automatically, which takes a lot of the load off of us as UA managers. Um, to be able to focus on maybe like the creative strategy or you know like a lot of the parts that were very manual and huge spreadsheets now there's 
a lot more strength on the BI side also and a lot more support mm -hmm. where you can get these amazing graphs like you know uh, in terms of the data analysis and how low you how down the funnel you can go also in your campaigns um, those have been some of the biggest changes and it's also good to see at Crossfire remember we were always like no but that that day seven ROAS like you know it's impossible it's too aggressive and like trust me we can reach that ROAS <laughs> and, and more and more you start seeing like the on the advertiser side that they're able to provide these tools um, right. so it's great I, I think it, it's only gonna get a lot smarter there's still a lot of regulation that is needed in the industry for sure um, especially when you're just focusing on the user acquisition and the data, the veracity of the installs that you're receiving. So many companies like focusing more on cleaning out their inventory and making sure that you know there's no fraud in it, etc. Um, right, it's an industry-wide kind of yeah. correction course. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that we're setting the pace for a lot of things that are getting applied overall in the advertising industry. Sure. Um, which is very interesting to see what's gonna happen next. That leads me to my last question, <laughs> uh, which is how you see the gaming industry changing or evolving yeah. over the next five years. I think one for sure, playables are gonna be a bigger part of inventory than what they are right now. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of companies that come to us with like, yeah, we got this new ad unit. I'm like, dude, that, that's Facebook carousel. That's not new for me. But It'll be interesting to see, for example, for RPG games, like all these different categories, yeah. how VR is growing into it. Um, I hope I'm allowed to say this. There's a lot of people that are skeptical, right? They're like, yeah, VR won't really go. It's interesting to see that some companies actually starting to think about that aspect. How can they integrate VR at some point in their ad units? I think we're also going to start seeing more and more UA managers getting a bit more strict on what they're buying on mm. um, because we have the data available to say no I'm not gonna pay you that amount because that's not what I'm getting back like the more transparency yeah more transparency more and more companies are bringing out instead of blind inventory you know they're being a lot more clear with like okay so you have these names and that's definitely a plus as a UA manager, if whoever doesn't do blind inventory and has direct inventory, I'll be like, okay, oh, let's sign the guy. Like, <laughs> I will work with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Guys, you had it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, those are the areas, you know, more data transparency, uh, more knowledgeable UA managers in terms of where they're going and what they want to do with their budgets. And, sure. um, and I don't know what else. Play better better creatives. Yeah, better care. Like all of the networks, the bigger ones, like, you know, Facebook and all these areas, it's getting so competitive out there. Um, and, and you feel the pressure. You know, two weeks before November starts, you know that you need to start preparing yourself because brands are coming in for Black Friday and you're going to see those CPMs increase. And mm. Thanks, Carissa, <laughs> um, for coming on the show today. It's been a blast. Um, yeah, this is fun. And thank you to all of you for listening. See you next episode. Bye, guys. Indie or AAA? Indie. IAPs or ads? IAPs. Free to play or pay to play? Free to play. Super Mario or Sonic? Super Mario. AR or VR? AR. <laughs>